Take your Bibles, if you would, turn with me to Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter number 10 this morning. As you open the Word of God, I believe that we would all agree that we come to realize that the Lord, uh, in His Word, changed a lot of lives. Um, I believe that He, through history, has revealed that He has continued to change lives, and I believe that as we are living in the present day, we're seeing that He is still changing lives. As you walk through the Word of God, and you, you just kind of come in uh, in contact with certain individuals through Scripture, you realize that Abraham's life was changed by God. Noah's life was changed by the Lord. Uh, Daniel's life was changed by the Lord. Nehemiah's life was changed by the Lord. Joshua's life was changed by the Lord. Moses' life was changed by the Lord. Peter's life was changed by the Lord. John's life was changed by the Lord. We could go on and on and talk about, in the Word of God, different individuals whose life was changed by the Word of the Lord and the Lord Himself. You, you study history and you begin to realize that there were certain individuals that their lives were changed by the Lord. Many of you love reading the writings of Spurgeon, and Spurgeon's life was changed by the Lord. Uh, I love reading the writings of Tozier, and Tozier's life was changed by the Lord. If we were to go throughout this auditorium this morning, and I were to begin to uh, call on certain individuals' names, I believe you would stand and you would say, my life has been changed by the Lord. Up to Acts chapter number 10, you come in contact with a gentleman by the name of Peter. And Peter's life, up to this point in Scripture, has been nothing short of amazing. The Lord has completely changed his life. You've seen valleys. You've seen mountaintops. You've seen hard times. You've seen good times. You've seen things that Peter shouldn't have said. You've seen things that would say, wow, Peter, I'm shocked you even said that. Let your stance. Up to this point in Peter's life, he has uh, been spent three and a half years with the Lord. He's walked on water. He's healed a lame man. He's preached at Pentecost. He has preached to the Sanhedrin. He has exposed Ananias and Sapphira. He has been delivered from prison. He's, he's done all of these many things. And you have seen the life of Peter. You say, man, if I could just get a, a little piece of the life Peter has lived. It's been an amazing life. He's seen some things. He's done some things. He's served the Lord. He's been faithful in some areas. And the Lord has been doing a work in Peter's life. I believe if Peter were with us this morning, that many of us, if we weren't careful, we would begin to look at Peter and we would be in awe of being in his presence because of all that he had began to do and all that we had been able to see the Lord do in his life. We would just be in awe that, man, Peter, you've been used of God. But as you come to Acts chapter number 10, as great as a man as Peter was, we're reminded that it doesn't matter. We're always being reminded that the Lord is continuously working on us. Some of you, right at this very moment, may have grown up in church. You might have been in church for 40 plus years. You say, man, I've grown up in church. That means nothing. I'm sorry to say it that way. It means nothing. You say, well, I've led uh, over thousand souls to the Lord. Well, that's wonderful. That doesn't mean anything other than that you've been used of the Lord to accomplish His mission and His objective for each of us. It doesn't make you any more spiritual or any better than anyone else. You see, we're always growing. The Lord's always shaping and always sanctifying and always working. As you come to Acts chapter number 10, Peter is going to learn another lesson. It has been said that that God took a a good man and made him a better man as you read Acts chapter number 10. Because he is continuously learning and the Lord is working in his life. 
As you come to Acts chapter number 10 this morning, we're reminded within the Christian life that there are two types of Christians that are sitting in this auditorium and every other auditorium around the world that is preaching the truth of God's word. You're either a carnal Christian or you're a spiritual Christian. There's no middle ground. There's no in between. You're either carnal or you're spiritual. Now this morning, I pray that as the Lord has dealt with me, that he would also deal with each of you and that you would ask the Lord right this very moment, Lord, reveal to me, am I a carnal Christian or am I a spiritual Christian? You see, as you come to Acts chapter number 10, we begin to realize within Peter's life that the Lord was doing a work in his life and he had continued to remind him of all of these many things that he wanted to take him to. Areas within his life he wanted to deal with. Situations in his life he wanted to address. And Peter has already grown so much. And many of us would say, man, that is Peter. But God says, oh, that's Peter, but I'm still working on Peter. I'm still doing a work in Peter's life. I still want more to be done in this life of Peter. And I want to show him some things. As you go to Romans 8 and Galatians 5, you're reminded of the carnality, if you would. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 3, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as uh, spiritual, but as unto carnal. Even as unto babes in Christ, I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, and are ye not carnal? Walk as men. For while one saith, I am Paul, another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? As you go to Luke chapter number 26, Peter's life at that point, three years under the training of the Lord, and he comes to a crisis point within his life, denies the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's at that crisis point in Peter's life where he has to really address some things in his own life, and after the denial of Christ, you see a different Peter. You see the grace of God in Peter's life and you begin to realize within Peter's life that he understood some things and he understood that this life of living the Christian life and being a follower of Christ wasn't a game to be played. It was serious. And within each of our lives, we have to ask the serious question, are we really truly willing to be a true follower of Jesus Christ? Because if we are, that means we have to stop living the carnal Christian life. There has to come a time in our lives where we say, you know what, Lord, enough with this carnality. Lord, I want to be spiritual. You say, oh, I've given to the church for so many years. That means nothing. You say, oh, I've been a Sunday school teacher. Again, I'm sorry, but that means nothing. I've sung in the choir. Well, that's wonderful, but it means nothing. You see, all of these many things, you could throw excuse after excuse and reason after reason. None of those things matter. And we'll see that here in a few moments. Within Peter's life and with our lives, as you go and you study the scriptures and you realize that there's carnal living that speaks of the fleshly living and there's spiritual living that speaks of being a yielded individual marked by some things. Can I share with you this morning that every single one of us this morning, we are marked by our characteristics. You say, what do you mean? A cocky individual is marked as cocky. A gossiper is marked as a gossip. A liar is marked as a liar. A joyful person is marked as a joyful person. A thief is marked as a thief. A happy individual is marked as a happy individual. A gracious individual is marked and characterized as a gracious individual. You see, we're marked by the way we live. The things that we do. 
That the way that we approach life in our Christian life is marked by the way that we live. There are people that say, oh yeah, I've been in church for all these years. Yes, but you're not living the Christian life, so you're marked as a Christian that's playing games. You see, our lives are marked by all these things. It is when we give ourselves to the Lord fully, it's when we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit to deliver us from being prideful to now being humble, from being a liar to now speaking truth, from being a thief to now being a giver, from being a hateful person to now being a lovely person, from being a bitter person to now being a gracious person. You see, and you say, well, how do I get to that point? Yield yourself. Every single one of us go through this battle right here. This struggle of the Christian life of if we're going to be a carnal Christian because we are living in a world today where there are so many carnal Christians and we are allowing the philosophies of the world and all of the news media and all of the superstars and all of the Hollywood stars to dictate what a Christian now looks like. Why? Because we've sought the approval of man before we ever sought the approval of God. And we've got it backwards. For many of us, if we're not careful, we've allowed ourselves to think that it really and truly does not matter. But I'm here to tell you that it does. You see, this morning, we have a lot of Christians who are so concerned with those who are contemporary and those who are doing this and those who are doing that, that we have ourselves gotten so consumed with it, but we are not doing anything ourselves. Do two wrongs make a right? No. Just because you're here means nothing this morning unless you say, Lord, I'm yielded to you. I want to hear your word. I want to live by your word. I want to do your will. That is what my heart's desire is. As you've come this morning and right this very moment as you're here and you're thinking about this one understanding of, Lord, what will it take for you to change my life? Because Peter's life's about to be changed. More individuals in this pastor of scripture, their life is about to be changed. As you begin to to walk through Acts chapter number 10, I ask myself the question, Lord, what will it take for you to change me? You see, we're so caught up in those who are living a compromised life and those who are doing this that we're not even willing to acknowledge the Lord is trying to truly change us. And hear this now, I'm not saying we compromise. We stick to the truth. But are you willing to change? Are you willing to change and allow the Lord to change you and to mold you and to shape you? Because many of us, if we're not careful, statistics show that since the year 2020, those that were once Sunday morning, Sunday evening, and Wednesday church attendees are now church only on Sunday mornings. So you say, oh, they've gone, they've compromised on some things. Have you too? How many times have we on a Sunday, opened our Bibles if we've been in the church, but Monday through Saturday, it just sits on the mantle. You say, oh, they've compromised on some things. Have you? You see, we could go on and on and talk about all the many things within our lives where we are not willing to address ourselves because we're so focused on everybody else. And Peter here is going to be put in a very uncomfortable position. This morning, my heart's desire is, Lord, search me. Change me. Give me a burden for souls, Lord. Change me. Lord, send me where you need to send me. Lord, do what you need to do. Lord, change my life so that it can be profitable for you. 
We find this in Scripture, as the Bible says in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. 2 Timothy 2.21, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and a prepared unto every good work. John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This morning, I want to ask you, and I want you to ask yourself this question, Lord, what will it take to change me? Look with me in Acts chapter number 10 for just a moment. The Bible says there was a certain man, Caesarea, called Cornelius. And a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Devout man. And one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always, he saw a vision. Evidently, about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming in to him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And he looked on him. He was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? He said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. And when the angel which spake unto Cornelius was departed, he called two of his household servants and a devout soldier of them that waited on him continually. And when he had declared all these things unto them, he sent them to Joppa. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, and he became very hungry. And what have eaten, but while they made ready, he fell into a trance. And saw heaven opened, and a certain vessel descending unto him, as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners. And let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, and wild beasts, and creeping things, and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. This was done thrice. The vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate and called and asked whether Simon, which was surnamed Peter, were lodged there. While Peter thought on the vision, and the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Arise, therefore, and get thee down, and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men which were sent unto him from Cornelius, and said, Behold, I am he whom you seek. What is the cause wherefore ye are come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the Jews, was warned from God by an holy angel to send for thee into his house, and to hear words of thee. Then called he them in and lodged them, and on the morrow Peter went away with them, and certain brethren from Joppa accompanied him. 
And the morrow, after they entered into Caesarea, and Cornelius waited for them, and had called together his kinsmen and near friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up by myself, also am a man. Skip down for just a few moments for sake of time to verse number 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the words. Go with me for just a moment to chapter number 11, verse number 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised and didst eat with them? Verse 4, But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, Skip on down to verse number 18, chapter number 11. When they heard these things, speaking of all that Peter would tell them, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. As you come to Acts chapter number 10, Peter's going to be confronted with a hard decision. Up to this point, three and a half years, he's walked on water, he's healed, he's preached Pentecost, he's been uh, released from prison, he's done all of these many things, and yet the Lord is still teaching him some things. This morning, you might be here and you're saying, oh, I've, I've lived the Christian life for X amount of years, I've done these things, well, good. That means the Lord still has some things for you to learn. Notice with me three things. Number one, we must be willing. Notice what the Bible says in Acts 10, verse 11, and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him. As it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth, wherein were all manner of fourfold beasts of the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. Number one, we see that we must be willing. Are you, are you asking the question, Lord, are you able to change me? What will it take to change me? Number one, you must be willing to change. You must be willing to change. There are, there are going to be times in your life when you're confronted with truth of God's Word and the Lord's going to say, it's time to address this. Are you willing to address? Are you willing to change? Notice these words that are found here because God wanted to change the normal within Peter's thinking and the way that he lived his life. He says in verse number 13, and there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Notice those words, rise, kill, eat. This is a a command that is taking place and Peter's reaction is this, not so, Lord. Within this situation right here, you begin to see a conflict here because the statement, not so and Lord, are a struggle within themselves. It's either not so or it's Lord, but it cannot be both. There was a young missionary man, or an old missionary man rather, who was dealing with a young businessman. And the young businessman was uh, beginning to talk to this missionary who had served on the mission field for years, and he was telling him how the Lord had been dealing with him about going to the mission field, but he was struggling to do that. He said, I know the Lord wants me to serve on the mission field. I just cannot do it. The struggle is there. I, I can't pull the trigger. I can't go. So the missionary took him to this pastor of Scripture. He said, I want you to get a piece of paper out. On that piece of paper, I want you to write the words, not so, and then Lord. 
He said, are you looking at that piece of paper? The, the, the young businessman said, yes. He said, you believe the Lord's called you to the mission field? He said, yes. He said, you're struggling to say yes, and you're, you're just saying no right now because you cannot pull the trigger to go to the mission field. He said, yes, I am. He said, I want you to circle one of these words, not so or Lord, because it cannot be the both. He said, it's either Lord, and if you say Lord, then it means he's Lord of your life. It means whatever you say, Lord, I will do. He said, if it's not so, then you're telling the Lord, you're not my Lord. Can I share with you this morning, there must be a time in our lives where we are willing to say, Lord, whatever it is. But Peter right here is being taught a hard lesson. He says, not so, Lord. Notice in verse number 15 what is said. Right in the middle of it, he says, what God hath cleansed, that call, not thou uncommon, or not thou common. Peter's being taught a lesson here as he was trying to change the normal within his life. And you begin to think about each of our lives and how many times are we living in the not so Lord life. The Lord is dealing with you about going and reaching young people for Christ in the bus ministry and you told the Lord not so Lord. The Lord has been working maybe in some of your lives about going and sharing the gospel to that, that, that co-worker, that family member, that individual, and you said, not so, Lord. The Lord has been working on some people's lives about going to the mission field, and you said, not so, Lord. The Lord has been working on all of our lives, and there are seasons of our lives where we say, Lord, not so. I wonder if we've got some not-so Christians in this auditorium this morning. The Lord's been dealing in your life, and you said, not so, Lord. Can I share with you, it cannot be both. It's either not so or it's Lord. As you begin to realize what's taking place here, Peter is being taught a lesson, and it has nothing to do with about the food here. It has to do with the Gentiles, and it has to do with more than what Peter is beginning to realize. And as he is dealing with this, he has said, not so, Lord. So the Lord is trying to change the normal here. Don't you love it when God ruins our plans? You say, Lord, I had it all figured out until you decided to rewrite it. Here you see that he was trying to change the norm, but he's also trying to change Peter's way of thinking, if you would. He says in verse number 15, and the voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed, that call not thou common. You see, Peter's struggling here because all of his religious background and all of his theological understanding and all of his training and all of his teaching for so many years is creeping up. And in chapter number 11, those who approach him, they're struggling too. And Peter says, oh, let me tell you what God has done. He was trying to change the, the normal. He was trying to change the way of thinking within the way that they were living. And we need some Christians who are going to stand up and that are going to say, Lord, whatever you say, I will do. If it means that you are saying, Lord, I need to change my ways. And Lord, I'll change my ways if I'm yielded to you. If you send me to the mission field, if you tell me to go share the gospel, if you tell me to go work here, if you tell me to do this, Lord, I'm saying yes. Many of our excuses, you say, I can't go on any longer. Well, the Bible says you can. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Galatians 6.9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You say, I don't know if I can make it in the battle. Well, the Bible tells us in the book of Second Chronicles, the battle is not yours, it's God's. You see, as you continue reading throughout Scripture, you have all these excuses. I don't have the strength to go on. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But Lord, what if my needs aren't met? Philippians 4.19 But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Some people aren't going to like this though, Lord. 
Romans 8, 31. What shall then we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? But Lord, I don't know how. James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that give it to all men liberally and abradeth not and it shall be given him. But what if something goes wrong? Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. But Lord, what if I'm alone? Be strong and of a good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God is he that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. That is your God. Not so, or Lord, you have to choose. Every single one of us are brought to a place in our lives where we say, Lord, I can't go on like this any longer. A young man who has has been used mightily in my life, and he doesn't even realize that he came a couple of years ago and spent a week here and had been wrestling with God and running from God, sends a text and says, I'm tired of running for God. I've been saying not so for so long, but now I'm saying, Lord, Young people that are sitting on the front row, some of them have been saying, not so for so long, and now they've come and said, Lord. Oh, you see, for so long, many of us, if we're not careful, we live right there in the not so, Lord. It cannot be both. You two, young man, come here for just a moment. Do you think about all of the many things that we say? You say, well, I'm in the right place. That's great. But I want you to understand something for just a moment. Jared, you come and stand and look at me for just a second. Jacob, go ahead and look this way. Link arms. Turn around. Nope. Turn around. Link arms. They're in the same place, aren't they? They're in the right place. They're in a good place. One's looking this way. One's looking this way. Here's the truth. You can be in the right place. You can be in the same place. You can be in a good place, but you can still be heading in the wrong direction. You see, this young man can be in the same place as this young man, but this young man is saying, I'm chasing after the will of God, while this young man is saying, I'm chasing this, I'm chasing that, I'm chasing all the pleasures of what I want. They're looking this way, he's looking that way. They're in the same place, though. They're in the the good place. They're in the house of God. You say, what are you trying to say? I'm saying you can read your Bible. You can come to church faithfully every Sunday and Wednesday. You can come to the revival meetings. You can come to the missions conference. You can come to all those things and still be a carnal Christian. Where are you headed? Which direction are you going in? They're linked arms. They're, 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 they're in the right place. But this young man might be looking at this way. and He's going and chasing after these things. And his mind is given to these thoughts. And this young man is looking this way. So you can be in the same place. yet headed in different directions. I grew up in a church where the Word of God was preached. Both of you young men can be seated. There were young men who were called to preach just like myself. We were linked arms. But I realized I was headed this direction. Some of them were headed that direction. Some of you, right this very moment, you come faithfully to the house of God and you're linked arms. You're in the right place this morning, but you're heading in the wrong direction. You say, well, what's the struggle here? You've given into the flesh. You see, are you willing to change this morning? Peter was in the right place, but he was going in the wrong direction when he denied Christ. Peter was in the right place when he was walking on the water, but then all of a sudden he began to go in the wrong direction when he began to get his eyes off of the Lord and his eyes on all of the circumstances. And now Peter here is in a place where he's being taught some things. You see, our circumstances sometimes take hold of our lives and they dictate our direction. Our friends take hold of our lives and dictate our direction. 
Our problems take hold of our lives and dictate our, uh, our, our direction. All of these many things that we could address, they begin to take hold of our lives and they dictate our direction. And we have to ask ourselves this question, Lord, what will it do to change me? I mean, Peter, he's a good man. I mean, he's been doing the right thing. He's walked on water. He's preached at Pentecost. He's been serving the Lord and the Lord is still working on his life. Number two, we must seize the opportunity. Notice with me what begins to take place in verse number 15. The voice spake unto him again the second time, what God hath cleansed thou, that call not thou common. This was done thrice, and the vessel was received up again into heaven. Now while Peter doubted in himself what this vision which he had seen should mean, behold, the men which were sent from Cornelius had made an inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. As you continue reading on down, you see in verse number 25, the Bible goes on to say, And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up by myself also, my man. This right here and these verses begins to deal with all of the man-made worship that we have in our world today. You flip the television on and all these people that are television preachers are being worshipped. You walk into some churches and the man of God is being worshipped. That's a bad thing. It's not about us. It's all about God. Peter, in verse number 26, picks him up. He says, stand up. I myself also am a man. Peter took seize of the opportunity, if you would. As you go and you begin to realize within life, there are a lot of things we don't know much about because we haven't been given an opportunity. You ever been out talking to someone? Maybe it was a co-worker. Maybe it was a neighbor. But somewhere along the line, Jesus comes up. And the person kind of looks at you and they say, you know, I don't, I, I don't know much about this Jesus you speak of. It's in those opportunities right there where we're given an opportunity to tell them. But how many of us have stood right there and said, not so, Lord? Not so, Lord. Peter here in this pastor of Scripture is being taught some things, and it's a rewriting of the way of his thinking, and he is struggling here. A struggle, as a matter of fact, is taking place in Peter's soul because of the religious teachings and all what has been ingrained within him. And in this passage of Scripture, as you're walking through, you begin to, to realize that this young man is, is having to take the steps that he needs to because the Lord is still working on his life. And we're reminded right here in verse number 25 on down that Peter had to take a step that he had never taken before. He had never done this before. And I wonder this morning if the Lord has been trying to deal with each and every single one of us about taking the next step, going somewhere we've never gone, going to a people group we've never spoken to, going and doing something within the work of the Lord that we've never done, and we've been saying, not so, Lord. As you come and you continue on reading through this passage of Scripture, number three, we see this, we must be obedient to the truth of God's Word. Notice what it says right here. Verse 25, but Peter was coming in. Verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. The work of the Lord and the message that Peter was being told to take. Notice these things about it. The point of the message was Jesus. That's what it was. The preaching of the message was Jesus. The purpose of the message was Jesus. You see, it's all about Him. 
And far too often, the reason that we say not so, Lord, is because we're giving no thought to him. We're only giving thought to ourselves. Not so, Lord. I can't do that, Lord. I can't go there, Lord. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter number 11, And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, Thou wentest in to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them? I love these next words. Because at this moment, Peter's put in an awkward position. Peter, what are you doing? You ate with them? No, 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 no. See, what had happened was, notice what Peter says, though. Verse number four, I love this. But Peter rehearsed the matter from the beginning and expounded it by order unto them, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying. I mean, Peter goes through and he begins to share his testimony. Imagine they're hearing all of what is taking place. Verse number 18, and when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God. So guess what? Now they were being changed. You see... We have to ask ourselves the question, are you willing to be changed this morning? In Acts chapter number 10, you see that he is being changed. In Acts chapter number 11, the Bible says, now they heard these things. They held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. The truth of the matter as you walk through this portion of Scripture is that you can be right in your position and wrong in your disposition. And many of us, we, we say we're in the right place. And while you might be in the house of God this morning, while you might be a Sunday school teacher this morning, while you might sing in the choir this morning, while you might be a deacon this morning, while you, we could go on and list all of the many categories, my, while you might be all of those things, are you saying not so, Lord? Peter was still being taught some things within his own life. He could have given all the excuses, but no, he was changed. And you go all the way back and you look at Peter's life and you say, man, look at what Peter had accomplished for the Lord. And then you come to Acts chapter number 10 and you say, the Lord's still working on him? Yes. And the truth of the matter is, take great joy in that the Lord still desires to work on all of us. Are you fighting it? Saying not so, Lord? You want to be a carnal Christian? Continue going about your ways, not living for the Lord? You say, I read my Bible. That doesn't mean you're a spiritual Christian. You know how many times we've opened the Word of God and while we were opening the Word of God, our mind was elsewhere? How many times we've sat in the house of God and all those many things? Are you a carnal Christian or are you a spiritual Christian? May the Lord reveal that to each and every single one of us. Lord, we do thank you this morning. Lord, I want to be sold out. Lord, I want to be all in. Lord, change me. Lord, I go back in my mind to a 16-year-old Youth group, little young man, when my life was changed, accepted you as my personal Savior. And Lord, I go back and think about my senior year, my freshman year of college, my junior year of college, my first year pastoring here, the last two and a half years, and oh, you've been changing me. I thank you for the things that you revealed that needed to be dealt with. I thank you for the places you've taken me. And I thank you for the work that you've done trying to sanctify me and work in my life. 
Lord, I ask forgiveness for the times in which I've said, not so, Lord. Because it can't be both. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help us all to realize that. I pray that you'd guide us and direct us. Be with this time of invitation. For it's in Jesus' name we do pray.